Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity that we have each week to, to worship in this kind of way. It's not the same, but it's so good to still feel connected as we experience this together. And so I do, as Josh has already said, I want to invite you uh, to share this video. You have no idea who on your Facebook friends or your family might need to see this and to experience a word of God today. So uh, we invite you to just hit that share button, and that way others might be able to participate in this with us also. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for this day, this opportunity we have to worship and to praise you. And in the midst of the busyness of our lives, it's so good to just press pause. Be still, to be silent, to find rest in you. And in these moments, Lord, may we turn our full attention to you. May we hear your word as it has been read, and now as it is to be proclaimed by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. I am fascinated by the etymology of certain words. Etymology is the study of the history of words, and I took Latin back in high school and in college, and so I always thought it was kind of neat how I could have an understanding of the meaning of certain words before I even really knew the meaning because I knew some of the history of that word. I mean, I've always kind of liked when Maundy Thursday comes around to be able to explain the meaning of Maundy Thursday because Maundy's not really a word that we commonly use. But Maundy is derived from a Latin word meaning mandatum, which means commandment or mandate. And so Maundy Thursday is reminding us of that night when Jesus was gathered for that last supper. And he gave that new mandatum, that Maundy, that commandment that you would love one another even as I have loved you. I love to be able to tell somebody about the history of the word compassion, which literally means to suffer with. And that means so much that when we share compassion with someone, we're willing to suffer with, but that adds a whole new depth for me when I think about the passion of Christ. Because passion just simply means to suffer. There was no suffer with. When he took on that suffering, he took it on all along. And that just adds so much more depth for me to understand that meaning of that word. Another word that I've kind of liked to word nerd over a little bit is the word character. Character is derived actually from a word originally that simply meant that it was a tool or a stake that was used to mark, brand, or engrave something. 
And so ultimately, character began to be defined as that mark that was placed upon something that made it distinctive. Now, we eventually derived character to imply the defining qualities that define who or what something is. And character is that which helps us distinguish authenticity and things separated from one another. And today, our character definitely makes us distinctive. We are defined by our character. I would maintain we all have character, a defining quality or mark or imprint upon our life. The issue is not whether or not someone has character. The issue is whether or not that character is what we would want to be observed by others. Now, we have spent several weeks considering the life of David. Perhaps we could even say that we have been considering David's character, looking at the one who was described as one after God's own heart. We've looked at how David has led with his heart, and we've tried to see how we might learn to live and to lead with a heart like David's. We've looked at what it means to lead with God, lead with integrity, to lead with passion, to lead with humility, to lead with forgiveness, with God, with integrity, passion, humility, and forgiveness. All of these things are indelible marks upon David's heart, a heart that God had looked upon when he told Samuel to anoint David to be king. These are some of the defining characteristics of David's life, of his heart, of his faith. However, unlike Jesus, David's heart was not perfect. From the passage of Scripture that Pastor Corey read today, we see David seems to be living out of character. We do not see him in any way leading with God. There is certainly no integrity in this passage. The only passion on display that we see here is David's passion for his own desires and not a passion for God. There is no humility from this king who takes full advantage of his privilege and his power. And alas, there is no forgiveness in this story yet. No. This passage of Scripture reveals a part of David that we would probably prefer to skip over. This passage reveals to us a David who is not the David that we thought that we knew. This is a David who is living out of character. 2 Samuel chapter 11 begins with this verse. In the springtime of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and with his officers and all of Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. (laughs) Really and truly, we probably could have just stopped right there with verse 1. Because in that one verse, we see pretty clearly that David is already demonstrating a different character different than the heart of David that we thought we knew. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, that tells you that it is in the character of kings that this is the time of the year that they go and lead their armies out into battle. But the scripture continues to tell us 
that David sent Joab and his officers and all of Israel with him. And the verse concludes with what the reader has probably already discerned as obvious. David remained at Jerusalem. David? The one who killed lions and bears with his bare hands? The one who slew Goliath? David? He stays behind? The one that they sang about that Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands? He stays behind? It doesn't sound like the David that we thought that we knew because it does not sound like the character of David that we thought we knew. And now that we know he's not living by the character within him, we see David falling deeper and deeper away from the character we thought that we understood. Out of character, he commits adultery. Out of character, he then attempts to cover it up. Out of character... And out of his character failure, when his attempts fail, we know that he resorts to murdering one of his own men who fought for him, who was willing to die for him. Out of character. David will not be defined by his failures because we know his story's not finished being written yet. But how can we avoid falling out of character What can we learn from this passage? How can we avoid and stop when we find ourselves falling down into that trap at denying the heart that God has already looked upon within us? Now, several years ago, I served a church that we began a recovery program at the church called Celebrate Recovery. It's a worldwide organization. It's a Christian 12-step program for any hurt habit, or hang-up. One does not have to struggle with substance abuse to be a part of this program, for it is really a part of any hurt that we find within our being. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's grief. Whatever it might be, we all experience hurt. And so as we shared in that program, I learned an important acronym that is used in many substance programs, in many recovery programs, and And that acronym is something that I think is helpful for all of us to avoid those kind of behaviors that might be out of character. The acronym that is so easy for us to remember is simply the word HALT, H-A-L-T. That stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And each one of these physical or emotional conditions, if not taken care of, leaves an individual vulnerable to out-of-character behaviors. To make sure that we can lead with character and to lead with heart and to stay in our true character, I want to walk us through each one of these. Now, the letter H, again, it stands for hungry. Now, hungry can be a physical hunger, or it can even be an emotional hunger, a hunger for attention, for comfort, a hunger for understanding, and a hunger for companionship. Now, any of these hungers remind me of a brilliant ad campaign from a few years ago from a certain candy bar. I won't even have to tell you what the candy bar is. You're already going to know. My favorite commercial was one that showed a group of guys out on a field playing football, and right in the middle of all of these guys is none other than sweet old Betty White. 
after one after another unsuccessful play and the anger growing amongst the group. A young lady from the sidelines calls over Betty White and offers her this said candy bar. And as soon as she takes a bite of this candy bar, she's immediately transformed back into this healthy, vibrant young man. And then we're hit with the tagline that I'm sure you'll remember. You're not you when you're hungry. You know, you're not you when you're hungry. We might could even change that tagline. It wouldn't be as catchy. But we could even say, you're out of character when you're hungry. When you're hungry, you're not you. Have you ever noticed that the worst time to go grocery shopping is when you are hungry? I will go, and if I'm hungry, I am picking up all kinds of impulse buys, chips and dips and all sorts of things that I had no intention of getting. I'm making the bad choices because I'm seeking to fill that hunger that is within me. Hunger or longing for things, food, substances, engagement. Our bodies feel a hunger that must be met. And we can't simply eat a candy bar to make that hunger go away. Sometimes the hunger may be for other things. Acceptance, accomplishment, affection. And those hungers will just get, be just as great, if not worse, than the physical hungers that we may experience. And it can lead us to behaviors that are out of character. David's hunger in this passage of Scripture today was truly not for God. His hunger was not for the things that would satisfy. Maybe he didn't know what he was hungry for. And that's almost worse because when you don't know what you're hungry for, you'll eat just about anything. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Before we fall out of character, we need to assess our own hungers. Do we hunger for God? Do we hunger for what God desires, what God loves? Or do we put ourselves in the position of God and pursue our own hungers? David led with his heart, only this time it was not a heart after God's own heart. You're not you when you're hungry. The A in our HALT acronym stands for anger. Now, anger is a normal emotion for us to experience. And for all I know, you may even be experiencing that emotion right now. There are times that we must get angry. Jesus himself demonstrated an anger for justice and for what is right. The problem is... Most of us have never managed to learn how to express that anger in a constructive manner. And the fact is, we're going to get angry. That doesn't put us out of character. But the way that we express it may not be a true indication of who we are. I know I've shared with you before, my sons played soccer as they were growing up. And I confess that there might have been occasions that I was watching one of their games that I may or may not have agreed with the calls that the official on the field may or may not have made. And so I decided it was important that in as polite a manner as possible, I expressed my disagreement to said official on the field. 
However, I was way up in the stands, and that official was way out there on the field. And so I felt it was important that I raise my voice to a level that the sound could be projected over that great distance so that they might have a better understanding. And I really wanted to demonstrate the empathy that I had for them and considered perhaps they struggled with their hearing as much as they struggled with their vision. And so I tried to speak up even louder so that I could assist, assist them in their struggles in that time. Now, each game I would go to, I would say to myself before the game, I am not going to express my opinion even though it is correct. And each game, I could only sit there quietly for so long before I felt that it was important that I share my interpretation of the rules with said officials. To be honest, I knew that people around me were probably looking and taking my actions into consideration. But I was hopeful that they simply understood that I was only trying to help. And then... One Sunday, as I had transitioned to a new church not far from where we had been serving, I was going around on my first Sunday introducing myself to the new members of my church. And as I met one couple, they said to me, Oh, I understand that your sons play soccer. And I said, Well, yes, they do. I assumed they had probably read about them in the newspaper or heard the talk about those wonderful seat boys. And I asked them, How do you know about my sons playing soccer? And they happened to share that their son was the head coach of one of our rival teams. And I could only imagine, had they been at one of those games, the behavior that they witnessed of me in the stands, that was not my character. That's not who I am. I allowed my anger to take me out of my character. And I was afraid that they would have already assumed that that was my character. See, when we get angry, it's easy for us to express it in ways that are really out of character for us. Honking your horn and telling someone on the road that they're number one is usually out of character for us. Expressing anger to a neighbor unhealthy ways is usually out of character for us. And the problem is, most of the times, the people that we express our anger with the most out of character are the people that are closest to us. Our spouse, our children, our family. They know our hearts, and maybe that's why somehow we feel that we can step out of character for that moment to release that anger. But that is not good. We allow that anger to become wedged within our lives in such a way it's almost like a splinter. And it begins to affect, infect everything around it. We get often angry simply because we're not getting our own way. And when we don't get our way, isn't it funny how we suddenly clump everybody together as a bunch of idiots? In these times, we're angry. Things have angered us at deeply personal levels. And very little of it has to do with us. And more often, it has more to do with our own wants and wishes. And so many times, that anger causes us to act out in ways that is not true to our character. Anger is expressed in ways that are completely irrational and oftentimes destructive. How many of us know somebody that has punched a hole through a wall or a door out of anger? Once I was so angry, I took my keys and threw them as hard as I could against a wall of an apartment that we were renting 
causing enough damage to the wall that we lost our security deposit. That was not me. That was out of my character. But it was me expressing my anger in a way that was unhealthy and out of character. And now, right now in the past few months, we've seen anger being expressed oftentimes in irrational and destructive ways. But it is because it is an anger that has been building and building and building for generations. If we're finding ourselves angry all the time, maybe we need to consider what it is we're being angry about. Are we angry about the things that make God angry? Are we angry because we're not getting our way? Are we angry at not having our own needs met? See, if the thing is something that makes God angry, then it's about thee. But if it's about something that I get angry about, then it's about me. I don't know if David was angry, but it sure seems that his concerns were more about me than thee. And maybe for us, we need to consider what is it we're angry about. Is it more about me or is it more about thee? Because you're not you when you're angry. So back to our acronym of HALT. L stands for loneliness. You know, you can be so desperately alone even though you might be completely surrounded by other people. We may feel lonely. Maybe because we feel that no one understands us. Or maybe we feel lonely because we're filled with fear, doubt, and insecurity. Loneliness is a dangerous place to be. Satan did not test Jesus when he was surrounded by his disciples. But instead, he waited until Jesus had spent a really long time in the wilderness alone. Now, sometimes loneliness, it can be a choice. For whatever reason, David chose not to be with his men. But in this time of being alone, he finds himself separated. And it's ironic because I myself, a part of my life journey has been a struggle, a battle at times with depression. And one of the ways that I can tell that depression is beginning to creep in is I begin to withdraw, to be alone. And allowing the darkness of that loneliness cover me. David has chosen to withdraw. To be alone. And he allows that loneliness to cover him. (laughs) You know, out of all these things, I can be angry. (laughs) I can be hungry. Please don't make me be lonely. Here we are at a time that we have had to spend day after day, week after week, month after month in varying forms of loneliness. That loneliness in this pandemic is having alarming effects. Local treatment centers are reporting a 20% increase in people seeking assistance with substance abuse. A recent study reported by Lenovo, after surveying over 20,000 people that are now having to work from home, they found that 71% of those that were surveyed have reported that working from home during COVID-19 is causing both a physical and emotional hardship for them. Productivity may have increased. But at what cost? Loneliness. It breaks us down in many different ways. Here, David chose loneliness. David chose to self-quarantine instead of being where he was supposed to be. One bad decision led to another bad decision, and another bad decision soon followed. 
No one is an island. We are not meant to live this life alone. God told us that his son would be Emmanuel, God with us. And even knowing that, we can still feel alone. So when we feel that loneliness, we must choose and intentionally to be with one another. Maybe not physically, like right now we can't, but we can still be a part of small group. We can be a part of a Sunday school class. We can phone or message a friend. When we feel that loneliness, we've got to be aware of it so that we can be on our guard, so that we can stay true to our character. You're not you when you're lonely. Now, the last letter in our HALT acronym is T, and T stands for tired. Tiredness takes a toll on our bodies, mind, and spirit. And even in these times, so many are simply exhausted. Sleeping less and the sleep we do experience may not be actually restful. Coffee and caffeine fuel us through another Zoom meeting. I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of not having answers. I'm tired of waiting for the world to change. I'm tired of learning of one injustice after another. I'm tired of people judging people. I'm tired. Maybe you're tired too. David, maybe he was tired. I mean, at this point in his life, he had done a lot. Maybe he just needed a break. We all, maybe we need a break. Jesus took breaks all the time. Whether it was sleeping in the hull of a ship or going off on his own for a time of prayer, when Jesus took those breaks, those breaks became somewhat of a mini Sabbath for him. And remember when Jesus was asked about the Sabbath, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So when you're tired, Maybe it's okay for you just to take a break. (laughs) Take a nap. Hit the snooze button and sleep a little bit longer. I remember in seminary having a professor one time say, this may be a struggle for you to believe or not, but from time to time, this professor told us that individuals in our congregations, while we were preaching, might actually fall asleep. Wake up. The professor told us to not take offense when someone fell asleep when we're preaching because perhaps there in that sanctuary, in that moment, was the only time that they really felt peace. And maybe there they were so tired that they could finally rest. Please note I'm not giving you permission to take a nap during the sermon. But if we're going to try to stay in character... Maybe we have to recognize that, that we're tired. Maybe we need a break. Because you're not you when you're tired. You're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're angry. You're not you when you're lonely. You're not you when you're tired. And maybe the thing that we can learn here in this passage of Scripture from David today is that if we want to live and to lead with heart, then we've got to live and lead with the true character that God has put within us. Maybe we've got to learn to live and to lead with David's true character. When David denied his character, he denied the very heart that God saw as one after his own heart. 
And when we deny that character, those defining characteristics and qualities of who we are, we're not us. Maybe right now, you're not you. Maybe you have fallen out of character, or maybe you're starting to feel that pull. Maybe you're hungering for something more, and nothing can satisfy. Maybe you are finding yourself constantly angry, angry at everything. Maybe you are so desperately lonely, or maybe you're just so tired of being tired. Today, I want to offer you this hope. There is nothing that you can ever do to make God stop loving you. You are a beloved child of God. God looks upon you right now. Even in your hunger, in your anger, in your loneliness, in your tiredness, God looks upon you right now. And all he wants and desires is for you to come back. Our God is a God of restoration and reconciliation. Our God is a God of hope for the hopeless. No matter how far out of character maybe you've fallen, God has searched you. God has found you. He formed your inner parts and he knit you together in your mother's womb. He has searched you and he knows your heart. He knows your character. God has seen you as you have been tested and he knows your thoughts. And that is still the God that can lead us in the way everlasting. And that is the God who can empower us to live and to lead with the character that he formed in us. You're not you. And so come back to the character that God has called you to. Let us pray. Lord, I give thanks that you are a God of love of restoration and reconciliation. And Lord, we repent of the ways that maybe we have turned towards our own desires instead of yours. Maybe we have been overcome by our own hungers, by our anger, by our loneliness, and by simply being tired. But today, you are the God that sustains, and you are the God that upholds. And so, Lord, may we come back to you May we receive that gift of forgiveness. May we receive that gift of restoration today from you. Lord, we surrender. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.